0: Welcome back to another very special episode of the film alchemist podcast the show where we take the movies we love break them apart to find out what gives them their magic i'm your host josh griffey joined as always by my friend smoker and wildest game alex dandino yes that's right guys uh today we are here to finish up the second half of our amazing double feature selected over an uh Patreon by our friend Jason Keen. So if you guys have not yet downloaded uh, the first first half of this double feature, Ricochet, that's on your feeds now. So go enjoy that and then come do Surviving the Game. Honestly, you can do them in whichever order. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason, again for the awesome selections. Before we continue down the path of this double feature, a wild, rocky, wilderness path, a little business, people. It's official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist. We're on Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. Guys, it's the best way to help the show. It's the best way to help the show be exactly what you want, like Jason, uh, selecting today's double features. So if you go on over to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you can get in, join the community, see what we're working on, meet our awesome friends over there. And as you uh increase Up the official Highlander tier ranking system. You get to specifically select the movies that you want us to talk about on a Patreon exclusive feed. You also get a vote on movies, extra movies. So a lot of input into the kind of movies that we're discussing on the show, which has been really fun. We got a lot of good friends. It's a really good community we're working on. Uh, For those of you who thank us or support us, we thank you. Thank you. Not thank you. Thank you. Uh, for your hard-earned time and dollars. We Love know dollars are not easy to come by, so we're working hard to earn them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who are about to join us, thank you as well. Make sure you go to YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the channel, Film Alchemist. You can see, you know, just these really good representations of our beautiful faces. Uh, faces right. you would never want to take down in a hunt. Face. Ever. Yeah, it's a fight. It's a fight. Now, that's probably not helping. But anyways, you guys get it. Go over. Film Alchemist. YouTube, subscribe. Uh, make sure you email us, philmalcolmispod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials you're on. We're easy to get a hold of. We love to hear from you guys. Make sure, guys, this is important, something you can do that's very fast, easy, free, that helps us out more than you'd think. Make sure you're leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Uh, you can even do the five stars now on Spotify. So wherever you listen, we appreciate it uh let them know you enjoy spending time with us helps us algorithmically uh trick some people into our mountain man now they're on our mountain you know what we're doing we're hunting a good time that's how we do it <laughs> right man just labored analogies aside tonight we finish our uh, our double dose of tea the pod uh the pod has some O.S. tea we're surviving the game perhaps ice tea's most famous leading leading man role um really i don't know what would be the other competitors svu <laughs> way more famous of a project but I he mean, is not the uh he is not what the show rotates I around feel like right the two i might things say this that
1: is I most known for is svu and like telling he telling people he's gonna kill cops like those
0: are the two and coco and coco number Cocoa, three sorry coco right <laughs> you're right
1: Sorry, <laughs> sorry coco so
0: surviving the game <laughs> is a classic uh rich people who want to hunt humans right what's yeah. the most dangerous game humans uh because we think we fight back many many a films about man hunting other men it's something that we seemingly just can't get enough of in our life this idea i think the world lends itself to this we take advantage of each other. Uh, we treat each other like cattle in so many ways. Why not take it up a notch? It's visually fun and leads to a lot of drama. What is strange about this one, right? This film, under the watchful eye of Ernest Dickerson. Um, I actually just watched Eve's Bayou for the first time. Fucking amazing oh, really? flick that I'm wow. pretty sure he hey. directed. So go go uh, watch that one, too. We might have to talk about that someday. Uh, but under the watchful eye of Ernest Dickerson, right? Ice-T delivers... A pretty fucking compelling performance, right? There's a notable scene where it's like, I don't think he's going to get us there. Just lift the camera up to look at the top of his head. But other than that, a really compelling film in a time when movies were looking for anyone who could be the leading man of this kind of action thrillery Mm -hmm. movie. I think of the the not top tier guys, right? Your Jean-Claude's your Seagulls, your Chuck Norris's, right? Whatever those guys were beneath like the Stallones and Arnolds, they had a lot of guys trying to do these movies. This is a pretty solid one. And then you just throw in this unreal cast of hunters. And you just yeah. have an a movie that is so fucking bizarre for so many reasons. But what this movie is above anything else is just wildly fucking entertaining alex opening thoughts on surviving the game
1: i mean yeah it's um it's such a fascinating thing to see like this is so this came out in 94 like it's such a fascinating thing to see like the convalescence of as we talk about on the show this like alchemy of this incredible cast like this for one like this cast exists in a vacuum of like awesome 90sness. Like mm-hmm. and a lot of the, it's not to say that like I don't like watching these guys now cuz when they're older they're great too. Um some of them have passed unfortunately, sadly, Rucker Howard yeah. notably. But um it is like this amazing thing. It's it's like uh the 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 music was by Stuart Copeland of the Police.
0: <laughs> the Police. Like I thought that when we were getting like the slow jazz riff at yeah. the start of Well homelessness and human and dog murder
1: music in this yeah the music at the top of this i was like what is the mood i'm supposed to be feeling here because like this like (laughs) here like when ice tea like when ice tea is taking a bath for like what i'm assuming is the first time in months and it's just like this real sexed up music i'm
0: like is a
1: woman about to come in or what's going on like my feelings are very
0: uncomfortable Stuart copeland's like how do i finally climb out of the shadow of sting by doing too much
1: well, and he's like, "Oh my like,
0: God, is that a Dalton Trumbo bath?" <laughs> <laughs> but the movie
1: overall, for being again, this is like, oh, man, I feel like this is probably like the tenth version of the most dangerous game, which is probably
0: like of, the tenth version of 1994. Yeah, well, <laughs> like there's so yeah, many. Of yeah, these. I mean, movies. like it's
1: it's like a really again the first story I think is from ni- the short is from 1924, short the short story that the movie is based on. But that story's been around, yeah, since 1924. So, like, it's been made and made and made and made. It was always interesting. This, to me, has – it's, like, it's that base level. If you like the most dangerous game, you'll like this movie. Let's add, like, some – for 1994, top-tier character actors. Like, top-of-their-game character actors. Not just, like, Mm -hmm. Rutger Howard, but, like, Busey, John McGinley – f murray abraham like you have guys who are in here who you like like, actually okay and then the guy who plays i could not place it and i had to look it up online the guy who plays um wolf jr murray f murray abraham's son it's like that guy is strikingly familiar and his weird little scrunch face i know it from somewhere he is the copycat killer and copycat with uh (laughs) weaver like that is how i remember Ah,
0: that old chestnut
1: i i absolutely love love copycat maybe sometime we'll get it. have we done that one already we'll get to it if we haven't um
0: no we we should someday
1: but so you have that you have these character actors and then you have ice t who's sort of like ice t is leading the charge so there it's just this uh, just a faint hint of racism as all these white guys chase this black man through the uh through the wilderness like awkward but let's just go with it here uh it's just it, it yeah we gotta well, let's point put it, it out this here. way
0: uh surviving the game has a scent that is kind of like you know many days old bo and you're like what'll fix it a whole can of axe body spray <laughs> so it's it's strong fucking smells right yeah. this is not a subtle like potpourri no and in I mean- the background these are strong fucking but this is what i what i thought was so captivating right is iced tea is clearly not a traditional actor, right? Not probably a trained actor or whatever. I think you could say he's gone on to a wonderful acting career.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And he makes most things better when he's in them. Right. Because what ice T has is a natural persona and confidence as a performer. Right. Right. So I think this movie does a wonderful job of utilizing what he does. Right. Cause the reason you have ice T in this film is for name recognition, star power, right? And what they did was not, hey, you've got to really sell the, I was just a mechanic and I kept putting it off and I burned my wife and kids down. Like, we're not going for Oscars here, right? Right. You just deliver that however you can get there. And then you have this amazing array of character actors that can then overdo their roles, uh, you know, yeah. by proxy to what well, he's doing yeah, I mean, and somehow like, it maximizes the best of what they do because ice yeah. T, they're like can you just do a really sharp version of ice T, the performer and he's like got it yeah and it fucking works man yeah it's the best it pulls out the best of all of them yeah. by not asking anyone to overdo it Except for for sure Gary Busey yeah, and I mean, Cowboy,
1: I think that's like a really <laughs> important thing too. Is like no one's being asked to overdo anything; they're literally just asking to use all their powers as, uh, all their powers as actors. And like for yeah. Gary Busey, that is this like very over the top vibe. Like you know what's okay. going to happen, and you're waiting for that Buseyness because that's we like have the, to stop here.
0: I think there's something about Gary Busey, right? He has become this kind of pop. Culture, kind of, I don't know what it's called—a scratching post, right? You just kind of come up and scratch. Yeah. And you're like, "Ew, weird," and you run away. He's become somewhat of-, of a laughing stock as he's gotten older, right? Right. We see him, we laugh at him, like that guy's fucking crazy. Every time he opens his mouth, you're like, "What the fuck is he saying?" Yeah. I was rewatching this movie, and as I think we often forget how awesome of an actor yeah. gary busey no, really constantly. was constantly this that whole scene generation. so when he talks about how he got his scar right and he's like i his call birthmark. it my birthmark yeah and he talks about his bulldog that he loved and cherished and groomed threw cherry bombs at to make him a guard dog and then his dad's like fucking fight this dog i would love to hear your thoughts but i was watching that scene and i was like this would be awesome for any movie like gary busey so fucking crushes that moment And to me, it's kind of the linchpin between the two halves of the film Mm -hmm. where you go, oh, my God, this is really fucking good. Like, how is that in this movie?
1: That's the turn of the screw. Like, that's the top. That's like we're at the very apex of the like we're about to jump into what's actually about to happen. And it's again, it's Gary Busey. He's like perfectly positioned to be that kind of weird. Did you know that entire
0: monologue was
1: improvised?
0: There was a part of me, right, that's whole like, thing. do I partially believe that Gary Busey killed his childhood dog with his bare hands? Like, that would track The
1: whole thing was imperfect. Because I, I remember t- I texted you. <laughs> I texted you <laughs> after I watched this, actually. And I was just like, there's, like, no way anyone watching this movie isn't like, Gary Busey's definitely done that. Like, he's definitely hunted people. <laughs> do just you think like- they
0: saved on the budget and they actually just invited it, him to hunt a human just just went and he's to- like, fuck yeah, I'll be I, there. I,
1: I, get, I have a feeling that most of that was Gary <laughs> Busey's actual home. See, now we're diving into this, like, Gary Busey's crazy thing. But truly, yeah. we do forget. Like, he and got also,
0: a, I, I'm not going to feel bad for that because no, Gary Busey cause went off the rails. He's a
1: psychopath. Like, and not know.
0: necessarily in, like, a, we feel bad and he needs no. help way, just like a, he, that guy's out there way.
1: There's a level of – he's such a fascinating person because, honestly, he's a great – like, he was a great actor for – like, there was a yeah. chunk of time – like, I – I'll tell you what, my first movie I ever saw him in was like Rookie of the Year when he was Chet yeah. Stedman. That was Chet the first Stidman. time I watched The Rocket. First time I saw him in a movie, it was like, oh, well, shit.
0: This is how far Gary Busey has fallen, right? Is that there was once a time when a major family movie said, who could we imagine that children and their moms would want to come into their house to complete their happy family? Gary fucking Busey. <laughs> he had
1: well, and like actually, I was trying to like do the. I I don't know when it happened because I know he was in a really horrible motorcycle accident that like left his like his the reason his face looks the way it does now because you know his face kind of looks disjointed essentially. Yeah, he had a really horrible accident where actually it messed his face up, and I was trying to figure out if I was like, did it happen in '94? Is there like is that scar there? Not like, are they trying to explain why he has a scar? It's like sort of like uh Mark Hamill after his accident. Like when they started filming Empire, they had to explain certain scars on his face. It's like, is that the same? Like, are we just trying to explain some way like way it, it didn't seems matter? It's like a pretty
0: minor scar, but yeah, it didn't matter. For but a either fucking way, motorcycle accident,
1: Gary Busey's Gary Busey's monologue is like. Yeah, I, I, I question. I'm like, there's no way this didn't happen. He for sure did this. Yeah, he definitely wrestled a dog into the mud yeah. and broke its neck without. Do question. we think
0: Gary Busey's probably like a world class improviser, is he just like, <laughs> all right, I've got a tale for you? Does that feel like if you were out like doing shots with Gary Busey at three AM, he's like, hey man, I'll you tell got you, a killed story. your own dog, and I'm like, like what? And like this like, two? two more. I got to tell a tale. This
1: beat is like the shade of. This beat also is the shade of Busey that we get in later years. Like, the kind of crazy, like, aura-sensing, like, this caricature that he's become, but he's still really, really good in this movie. Like, And also, that, like, the worst that monologue
0: <laughs> is like, you, if anyone gave that monologue in any movie, you're like, well, I'm working for, like, the next five yeah. years. I like, see, that's how fucking good that monologue I is. I see
1: also asks the exact question all the rest of us are asking as we're listening to this is like, have you told anybody else about this story that like you supervise as a psychiatrist? Yeah. I really hope not.
0: This guy who desperately seems to be throwing out cries for help constantly is a therapist. This is it, I, You know what else? Now, here's Sorry. the thing though. Right. You Wait. know what is really funny about this though? Cause they, what I think is extra good about this scene and the way they, cause once you see Rutger Hauer and Gary Busey, right. Uh, F F a Murray lot of Abraham. the cast here. Yeah. You're like, all right, This is like a who's who's list of character actor bad guys, right? Yeah. I had forgotten the movie began with that juxtaposition of. Yeah. Guy running through uh, the fucking woods being hunted. Him trying to scavenge for food, right? Yep. He gets a little morsel of food, but he saves some to share with his beloved dog, Mingo. Mm -hmm. And then his dog gets hit. A cabbie punches him, right, for damaging his cab. Uh, crossbow bolt explodes out of a guy's body surviving the game title card is like yeah fuck yeah yeah what i think is so fascinating about this movie is there is no guile in this whole film None. there is not one fucking second of this film where we don't know that it's a foregone conclusion and you know how it works the best is when the the guy who's working at the 75th street mission We've seen him watching Ice T for like four scenes, right? Is he's having this wonderful back and forth with Hank or whatever. We know that he's been watching Ice T and when he says, "Here's a job to get you out," it this is how it works, right? Cuz we know it's already bad. When he offers him a hand up, we're like, "This motherfucker is poaching homeless guys." How does it work for you when there's not one bit of dramatic tension? In any frame of this movie.
1: It's really funny you say that because I actually <laughs> wrote I wrote in my notes, I was like, We already know how this is gonna go. Like wh- I because I the question I asked in my notes, like, why like even if you're an unsuspecting audience member, like you and I are savvy enough, we've watched enough of these where we probably could have figured out just yeah. from the name and poster alone what's surviving
0: the game is it's about. not called nearly survived right. the game. <laughs> right? So like for me, I
1: wrote I wrote in my notes like why is it that we know what this movie is about immediately when it starts, like there's no hidden agenda with what the movie is. Mm-mm. I spent a lot of time after I finished watching it, trying to figure out, I was like, why does it matter that I already know at the top? Like, does that here, yeah. this is, this is what I came up with. And honestly, I don't even think it's a satisfying answer, but this is the best I can come up with. <laughs> is it because the story is so time Like, the story is now like a very timeless trope, like people hunting people. We get it. Like it's a thing, most dangerous game. We already know. So on and so forth. Is it because of that, because we know that instead of making it about that, the subversion of expectations then is about more. We're actually doing a character study on these guys. Like, does it become less about the actual plot itself and more about, can you actually get invested in these people? Like, you're obviously going to be invested in Mason because he's the guy who's being hunted. But, like, they're just begging you the entire movie to ask more questions about these guys. And particularly, and more importantly, the whole point of spending time with these guys before the next morning is to actually be intrigued and interested. Because all these guys have their own little affectations. Like, John McGinley's character is this oil cut tycoon who, like, almost Fucking ends the, almost ends the whole hunting thing there by beating the shit out of Ice T when he says like I kill
0: my wife and kids. And you're yeah, like, this what? guy is uh, he is an oil derrick ready to burst. Yeah, that guy from is, the moment yeah.
1: this Daniel uh, this Daniel Plainview type is very yeah. very anti. And this is
0: the thing, right? I can imagine there's some audience members listening and they're like, oh no fucking shit! You guys think you're clever? You knew what was going to happen in surviving the game. I get it. Yeah. It is a classic. T- what I'm saying is I think this is an Ernest Dickerson thing where you got to give him some credit. Of course, we all know Ice-T is going to survive the game. Right. What I'm saying is why would they not hide a little bit more at the start, right? I, I, Most movies exactly would hide saying. the fact that the guy from the mission was a bad guy. They wouldn't cast Rutger Hauer because immediately as soon as you see him and he's got a fucking like statue of fire coming out of a lady's tits behind him you're like yeah, yeah that guy's a not p- he's got
1: a p-tail and yeah. it's 1994
0: uh, why didn't they cast billy crystal he's got a
1: p-tail and a goatee <laughs> clearly there's something yeah. al-
0: no no i yeah. agree and look because well, then once billy crystal's like wake the fuck up you're like oh my god that yeah. was the turn <laughs> that's the disarming
1: thing like that's what i'm trying to say though is like i don't really think it's snooty or uppity of us as people who do a podcast like this to
0: Like, it's not about the title. No more than just everything else. But It's not about the
1: title. Like, to me, surviving the game is like, whatever. That's a title of a movie. Like, there's plenty of misleading titles in the entire, like, I think what Ernest Dickerson is really doing is saying, you guys already know what's about to happen. There's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to surprise you. So what I'm going to instead do is try to get you guys to give a shit about these guys before this hunt starts so that once the hunt starts, you actually are invested, not just a nice tease survival, but to find out which of these guys is going to like, which of these guys is going to crack. Cause like, you know, you know, like William McNamara, who is uh Wolf jr. F Marie Abraham's son, obviously doesn't have the stomach for it from the jump. Like for me, McGinley and McGinley and Busey are the ones where I'm like, what are those two going to do to either get iced? Or is some, one of them going to crack at some point? Like, cause like, Busey's just too weird at the top. Like clearly as a psychiatrist, he hasn't psychiatried people in quite some time. So something else is going on. Like, and you're like, something's weird with that guy. Something's weird with the guy who's like a loose cannon. Can't take it. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to touch. There's a lot to play with. I do have one huge overall theory though, about Rutger Hauer and Charles Dutton's character. Those two definitely fuck each other. Right like there's no question about that in this movie <laughs> I'm, i mean not to be not to be crass about it but those they're, they're lovers right they are very I close mean, maybe they're maybe. very
0: close with one another but also like once you've hunted your fellow man together i guess i don't know i think that once is you've hunted your the- fellow
1: man what's left feeling your fellow man perhaps you're experimenting you're crossing your boundaries as a human being you're changing your lifestyle rutger conceiving. Hauer
0: sees all bodies as a wonderland right true maybe well, particularly charles they, Dutton's in this movie I, see i gotta like they were soldiers in arm vibe right i think that's great i got a thing like yeah they were like ex-special forces together and they had seen too much shit hmm. and then they just happened to find the fucking world's worst psychiatrist is like you know how you handle ptsd you get right. more pieces. Someone who's just like, like, like someone, who,
1: like the world's worst psychiatrist, just like you know what you should do: play into that. Go further. Go to deeper. the mall.
0: Find the cutest puppy ever. Throw rockets at it until it attacks you, and then break its neck. Yeah, you're gonna love it. We'll call it manhood. We'll be reborn together. We'll slap each other's asses, and we'll we'll fucking go live. There is a serious head. ass slapping. We'll suckle the tea to three. life. Yeah, but they are
1: exceptionally close, and I I think it's lovely personally. I mean, these, you have two people here who've. Not just bonded over the fortitude of hunting their fellow man, but also clearly love each other to the point where yeah. they well, feel po- they feel very, very protective bonded. over
0: another. At the end, when uh, Cole gets his legs blown off and is laying there. Oh,
1: dude, that's what I'm talking about. And
0: Rutger Howard just kind of holds his arteries to kill him and doesn't just put a bullet in him. I was like, there's something more intimate yeah, about that, right?
1: He can't just put it's It's a you can't I can't quit you moment. He's like, I can't save you but I will extinguish your pain, not with a bullet, but with my own, like I will be the man that you yeah. need. <laughs> there's something real there's something very there, lovely there.
0: Yeah. Well, I, again, getting <laughs> back to this point, right. About the, uh, the foregone conclusionness of it. Right. I think what it does is, is just very smart in a way. It is. Cause I like the idea of you have, and I think using ice tea and uh, his friend, Hank, right. As these two homeless guys. Right. So Mason and Hank are running around and they had this wonderful scene where they're digging a grave for Mingo. Love that. He's like, "Damn, why are you digging that hole so deep?" And he's like, "Man, I hope when I'm gone someone'll dig a hole this deep, right?" And you know, Hank is trying to be like, "Hey, you know, the last thing I do before I die is I'm going to fucking get you back on your feet, get you right." And he's like, "Fuck that, fuck that." And there is this element of watching these homeless guys struggle, right? right. And then they add this Robin Hood element. That whenever Ice-T gets anything, he uses it to share amongst the community, right? Yeah. So there is this nature of we love him and he suffered so fucking much that, of course, you're going to bond on to him, right? He's he's the
1: guy that's... it's the That is like the emotional core that you want to take through the rest of this because something so harrowing and terrible is about to happen. You have to have a reason to glob on and like what you want is... The other thing too is by putting him in this scenario and where everyone else seems to have been, and granted, like everyone else in the eyes of these men is homeless by choice, essentially, or homeless because they're monsters or whatever, they're scum, they're wastes of society, as McGinley repeatedly, repeatedly calls Ice T. Like the difference is we know Ice T's story, and like you extrapolate that once you see that. Weirdly lit room, like very well lit room of heads that um the psychiatrist keeps. You're like, Oh, like extrapolate that. And you're like, This is not only that, like everyone has a story like this. Like, every single one of these people who is in here now isn't just the it isn't just a homeless person, it's someone who's not just mm-hmm. fallen on hard times, it's somebody who's had a life who has to who's had to live a life. The reason they need is because they're at their end, they're that they're, they're at the end of their rope. Like, that to me is what. I like about what Ernest Dickerson's doing in this movie is he's asking you is asking you never to put yourself in the position of Rutger Hauer and the hunting party. Only will you ever be able to put yourself in the I, position. I don't
0: think anyone in their right mind would you'd do be that, surprised, right? but I there, you'd there is, surprised. well, I mean, you're not wrong. Probably sadly today. Just I think one of the things though, right? Is it's watching this man still have dignity In the face of all this tragedy and homelessness. And then seeing a guy who is working at a mission. Right. Come up to him. And we know, but he doesn't know. We're like, this motherfucker. When he gets to Rucker Howard's office. Again, you should know, but you You don't know. Yep. And so that makes us more mad, right? And it kind of culminates in that dinner scene where they're talking about the way they pick the pig and eat the pig. And you're like, they're yeah. fucking spilling it right to his face. Well, Rucker Howard it's one of the most street. drawn out. Yeah, yeah. Like we, the audience knows something that this guy doesn't know. And it goes on for like 30 minutes. It feels like, yeah, um, but yeah, it really draws out. And then once we start the actual game, the movie becomes a little more paint by numbers, right? Like yeah. it's not as yeah. engaging. No. What is really fun is again they have so many fun character decisions. So like I just love the idea that Ice T's a smoker, <laughs> and like you know he's just running through the forest and he's like shit I wish I didn't smoke and you're like that's fucking funny
1: yeah and then clear. he uses
0: the cigarettes or whatever. Um, they they add all these quirks right. So then once Ice T's running right, we're kind of going through these machinations. Now we're just doing a we got to complete the plot movie right. But every time we stop with these guys. We get a really fucking strange encounter and it manages to not lose me. Cause it, when the movie starts getting to this point, right. When they're like on the ATVs, I was like, there is no fucking foreplay, right? They're not tickling it. They're not pinching it. It's There's, just like, here we go. That was my like, they was were like, on him in so like unfair. one minute of film. They get on there. They're like, we'll give you plenty of time, but we have breakfast. It's like, and they're it's like on him already. And I was yeah. like, "What the fuck?" But then, because yeah. then I got worried, right? I was like, "How the fuck am I gonna watch this movie for another hour when it's just like over there, pew, over there?" Right. They have this cast, and they fucking unleash them, Did and you- it's wonderful. Um, the one regret I had watching it, I felt a bit cheated that it was Gary Busey that got well done, motherfucker.
1: So fucking funny that you say that because i thought the same thing and again i'm reading i like to read the trivia and shit um <laughs> eric burnt who's the guy who wrote it actually years later said the one major regret he has is that he killed gary Busey off too quickly and it should have been f murray abraham instead he's like i the only right screenwriting decision i really regret in that movie is that gary Busey's
0: character dies first yeah well that's that's one of those you write I write there are things on How the page are you going to know it's like, Gary
1: Busey you know
0: right there are things on the page where you're like that'll be good and then I'd imagine when you see that you know sir fucking fat stouts or whatever he called him yeah the dog speech in the theater you're like I fucked up like I fucked up because in that moment Gary Busey is the most interesting character that we'll see in the entire rest of the movie right and he even comes out, and he's like, oh, let's barehand fight, right? And you're like, the fact that we could have just gotten Gary Busey butt naked, covering himself in moss and mud and, like, I monologuing mean, to the such trees.
1: A, there's such a massive opportunity. Like, there's a whole and, other and movie where I he I don't want to be the
0: guy that's taking shots at Rutger Hauer, because he's another one of my favorite actors. But, but Gary Busey was the man for this mission.
1: But, like... There's a whole other movie where this instead like there's another section of this movie that instead of being instead of just being surviving the game, what it really ends up being is all of them having to trust Ice-T to save them from Gary Busey. Like that's,
0: you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the <laughs> fucking movie right there. Like, I know we're we all about things, to be bulldog puppies. No, but I mean, I mean that is something that hurt my soul because even when he got thrown in the room and I'm like, oh, my God, he just did a kill one liner. I was yeah. like, no, no, I like, my and I was like, great. We've still also got little wood. Derek I thought and whoever wood just
1: burnt. I didn't know it sizzled people, but again, like you learn a lot. Hey from, man, like he this. had
0: chemicals from the head jars and who knows what,
1: who knows no, what was dumb, in those fucking bitch. explosives. So yeah. Good. Oh, come on. I love
0: that. But I mean, even a character as useless as Derek, the son, right? He has that one great scene where he sees Ice T and what doesn't say anything, but then his eyes betray him. I'm like, all right, even the guy who's essentially a prop, he is the I have morals, uh, kind of. And then later in the movie he's like, I'll help you kill this one he's guy. But then you better double my trust fund, Poppy. Yeah. And uh, you know, whatever. But then you go off, right? And so uh Cowboy gets his moment. I would say Cole doesn't really get a great moment in the film. That was another one, cause almost. I mean, <laughs> the scene when Derek fucking bites it. One, just the fact I'm like, I'm just watching a movie where a guy cuts down a tree to make a bridge with a shotgun. I was like, I'm I'm pretty much just in. Like I I'm enjoying myself yeah, a lot point, at that point. In. Yeah, yeah. And then his great plan is, I use all my shells to saw down that tree. I'm just gonna hawk rocks at him. <laughs> and Derek's like, Ah! I caught up guard. <laughs> uh pa, i help thought me. that was great me, he was finally you know you know why derek fell to his death though because his fucking massive entitled nuts just dropped because right before that his dad's like let me help you derek and he's like fuck you yes. he crawls out of luck if he would have been his like his Derek, white, white privilege was really weighing him
1: down and then yeah there was
0: he was starting to like a little bit overcompensate like i'm gonna get some more dad's money yeah and when he was holding on to that tree he's like no my massive fucking trust fund entitled nuts Uh, they pulled him down to his deal you know
1: what's interesting too like again that scene punctuates also like (laughs) i also think like (laughs) come on guys there is that moment and i don't mind it because yeah you're in who cares but there is the line right after he falls and like f murray abraham's doing his best to act his way out of the scene and rocker's like let's go get the man responsible i'm like Ugh, did that line need to be said? We obviously know what's going to happen next. Like there's that kind of, there's that kind of like 90s screenwriting stuff that happens in this movie that is not like horrible because you're already in, but you're just like, all right, well I'm in the nineties yeah. again. That's great. Sure.
0: Well, this is the thing where instead of a tight thrilling scene, right? Cause when they start the chase, you're like, there's a lot of like people running scenes and you're yeah. kind of feeling the energy And that energy comes to a screeching halt (laughs) the moment he runs away from that burning cabin. So what they do is they said, everyone gets it now. Just fucking chew it up, man. Chew the scenery. And I think that's a good choice, right? Like there's that, all right, we have a fight in the middle of the night. Right. And it just kind of plays out. It's super fun, right? He's losing his mind. I'm not scared. They fight to the death, okay. whatever. Why does Rutger Hauer not take the shot, but instead he drives back? Hang on. And then why does Rutger Hauer blow up a plane, not check for a corpse, and then drives another plane away? And we'll get to the very last scene. Thank you. So you're like, now we just have, like, these weird, like, things that don't make sense because yeah. we 'cause got to well, finish we're, the movie. We're just, like, finishing But what the they don't do is lose our attention, right? Because there Maybe is that not. scene when they're sitting there talking as hunters, and he's like, you know, I've lost my son uh f murray's like i've had a fucking enough and he's like you know why don't you be a hunter be quiet and he's like we'll settle up after and i was like yeah hell yeah like this isn't helping at all but yeah right (laughs) like uh i just thought it was fucking cool man and i think that's the thing is that they understood exactly what they had And, and an example of that is they do this really long stop in the cave um like the fact that he has no kind of awareness that sitting in the really bright of a cave uh, is bad or uses the cave to maybe try to flee or hide, whatever. But he gets, they actually do the scene where, you know, all right, we got to like lay out the backstory and shit. And it was really effective, man. It was just kind of a nice beat. And it's
1: with the character. It's, you know, it's with McGinley's character who's also dealing with a huge loss. And there is this like sort of, I do I I liked that a lot. It does yeah. It's brings, a really good scene brings even though it completely the whole movie to a screeching
0: halt, but like a scree like, like other movies this would be the cement shoes that killed my attention. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful really scene good. in my mind. You know
1: why too? And again, I really think it's because I like Ice is doing Ice T. Like there's like no no one can do what he's doing in that moment, but McGinley yeah. is putting in like oh. Amazing work, like just little stuff, like the bug flying in his ear, and he's just like trying to get it out. Yeah. And then I, again, like he, I think John, his, I think John yeah. McGinley is one of those super underrated character actors that just does not. He has morphed over time and just never gets enough credit for who, yeah. what he puts into the these roles.
0: In this scene, right, Ice T is doing the Ringo bit, right? Yeah. Steady, proficient. I am the Rock. Mm-hmm. to where he can then play around right because you do watch it and there's some two shots where you're like this is a tale of two acting theories right yeah um is it more important to just be a natural yourself or are you really trying to get into it and do extra i'll say though this is the scene that mcginley stopped being a cartoon man mm-hmm. and found something and so uh-huh. then his death in the next scene when he's like i'm fucking out and rutger Hauer blows him away or cole actually shoots him. cole does yeah so death actually had weight in the movie where I shouldn't have any weight with any of the deaths. That's you, the one that I was like, have any, okay. Well, you
1: shouldn't have any weight with any of the deaths of these hunters. Like, I think that's like...
0: I'm not saying I felt bad for them, but for a half a moment, he was an understandable human being. Totally. I think absolutely. you could argue by the end of the film, right, that Rutger Hauer's theory on, when well, I was rich and went to third world countries and you'd be surprised how cheap life is. Um, that thesis... Doesn't make for a wildly interesting character, except for, oh, he's a good bad guy and Rutger yeah, Hauer's awesome. It
1: makes for a wildly compelling McGinley antagonist an that you shoot against.
0: fucking moment.
1: Hmm?
0: Like an actual existential crisis and faces it down, right? And he, he fucking dies, and I don't feel bad. Because, again, he might have killed those other 30 guys in the fucking head hut. Right. But for a moment, he's more interesting than you would imagine in that movie, and that's what this movie does really well. And then we end on okay. this strange, baffling Batman returns ending. Can we? Okay, you and I discussed this before we started rolling. Yeah.
1: What is the costume Rutger Hauer is dressed as? Well,
0: it's funny because this was where I thought that the Cole and Rutger Hauer scenes, like, they, were coming together.
1: Cole and Burns yeah. is Rutger Hauer. Yeah, Burns.
0: That they, they were now uh, soldiers, right? Cause they had all these uniforms with all this decoration right. and right. passports. But then he comes out as a priest. Is it a priest? I, like, I thought it was, like, a Russian Orthodox priest kind of okay. thing. I which doesn't it, make sense with how he's talking and whatever. I thought it was
1: more offensive than that but let's say it's a russian
0: priest it very well could be i don't know
1: let's just go with russian priest for the sake of yeah it uh
0: it was a choice right also that scene has one of my favorite little things when you hear a beep it's like uh hey i'm looking for my husband and kid and i was like if you were in the um we go hunt and kill people club Which seems to be something that's fairly exclusive. They're not bringing a new person every fucking year, right? No, no. no, no. Um, maybe don't have a fucking voicemail and an LLC for that. Yeah, I. I feel like you'd be better at laundering. I'm not sure paying
1: taxes yearly on that is a great idea. I'm just. (laughs) I'm gonna just throw that out there. I don't think a human hunting club is something you should be paying taxes on yearly.
0: I mean my occasionally we also do some hot air balloon trips over vineyards. It's not all bad, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh that's a uh, ten yeah, ninety what? Yeah. You know, it's uh
1: bullet train stuff. We do a Napa yeah. trip, human <laughs> hunting it is all
0: just sort of the thing. Hunt some lesser. Sorry, stands. what was, Wait, the what last was that thing part you
1: said? Napa trip?
0: Yeah. Oh white oh, ri- white rapids? Oh white, god, oh, white water rafting. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever ziplined? Whites love zip lining. Oh god. We just fucking strap your bulbous bodies in and then fucking throw you down a hill. throw you down a hill. I mean, it's not super fast, so it's Zip dangerous. Lining, it's just
1: Napa, whitewater rafting, human hunting. <laughs> Have what?
0: you ever like meandered around like a park with trees in it and been like, "If only I was like twenty feet higher, <laughs> we can do that for you, and do we'll you- kill less hands." Wait, I keep hearing a thing. I do don't- you like
1: hiking? <laughs> we love doing hikes down the Grand Canyon. It's great. Not everyone comes back, but it's still a lot of fun. Well, what? <laughs> what was the last part? It's I-, I. You keep saying stuff, and I feel
0: like you're just glossing over. No, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And if you're the fifth customer, you get to take home the pig's head. It's great. Huh? uh, (laughs) But yeah, so he goes out in an alley, right? His car doesn't work because Mason's a mechanic. And I just love the when he's walking and he tells the old lady to fuck off. She tells him to fuck off. And they need us here. Ha, 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 (laughs) ha, 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 (laughs) Burns. And I was like, oh, the tables have turned. The hunter hunted. It was great. Um. And you knew for this is where I was like, he probably was not special forces because he was not a great fighter. Uh, The bear. I need to get this out. The bear hug is the world's worst fighting maneuver. No one's ever want to fight from a bear hug unless you're like world's strongest man, Brian Shaw or something.
1: Well, unless you're like the mountain, I've not seen a bear hug ever
0: work. The thing you do, if you're bear hugging someone, what you're doing is putting their knee directly where you're, Fucking nuts are, and saying please God or hey my arms are occupied why not fucking punch my eyeballs out right yeah. it's the worst fighting maneuver, um but again we're not fighting now we're making a point, but you know we knew it was gonna end in Chekhov's blocked barrel right like <laughs> it just kind of all congealed yeah. in and I say I, mean, I did tell you this it this was my favorite choice in the film Chekhov's by far blocked barrel well done is uh. Ice-T's walking away, and Rutger Howard's like, "Lucky me!" And he gets his bullet, and he goes, "Mason," and he's, you know, you know exactly what's gonna happen, yeah. right? It's, it's such a dark shot. I don't know what's blocking the barrel, but you know what's gonna happen. Uh, the camera kind of like cranes up, and as he takes the shot, we hear the sound, and it it is like that thing when LeBron James gets all the powder on his hand and throws it up in the air. <laughs> uh, that happens on camera. There's like yes. a poof, 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 and he poof. just goes motherfucker check the barrel and just walks off to the credits end of movie and i was like yes fuck yes there's no like extra 10 minutes yeah. of like five years later i've got all my shit to get they just yeah. they knew exactly they just, the movie yeah. that they could give us I and really, the best way really to give it to that. us i loved that yeah but that's what i mean in a movie that should at every turn lose your attention right mm-hmm. there's no grappling with who's right or wrong there's no drawing out the mystery. This is a we are going to play with our food movie. And those usually bore the fuck out of me, mm-hmm. especially cause this isn't like a we're going to play with our food. And it's like something people like me only read about. First, you have to like strip naked and walk inside of a bubble. And then they fucking clamp glow sticks to your chode and you have to eat upside down, you know, and it's five hundred dollars for a fucking endangered snail. Like, those kind of restaurants, right? Those kind of movies love to play with their food because they think that we don't need – that we need to know how good they are at that shit, right? Right. This is literally that KFC pig bowl. Like, we know what you want. Come get it. They just slop it all together and fuck around. And, and this movie wastes a lot of time, you would think. But I look back on it, and I honestly don't feel like it was ever wasted. I was just enjoying the fuck out of it.
1: No, I mean, look, it's ninety six minutes. It's tight. I enjoy it. Like, yeah, yeah. It makes these choices at the end where you're like, "Got it." Like, we got to get to the end of this movie. Fine, whatever. Yeah, but
0: the last who even cares? Ten minutes are not razor sharp. We can agree no, on that. But like, but listen, are they if, fucking fun? If
1: you're gonna end a movie with a butter knife doll you know yeah lebron james poof hey also i love the judge? one
0: shot when however they filmed rucker howard in that tree blowing up the plane and oh he goes god. forgive me father i was like why does he have the replicant eyes from blade runner because like however they shot his roy. eyes he had like mad red eye and i was like oh my god he's a replicant already He's probably roy, uh he's roy and
1: or yeah. he is still grieving the loss of his lover
0: that would explain why Rutger Howard, there was this scene as my friend put it to me earlier today. And a colleague he goes, Hey, I don't want to be the leper offering you skincare advice. But when Rutger Howard insulted, uh, ice teas, visual, uh, cardiovascular fitness, I was like, sir, Dude, sir, come on. Yeah. Don't go to the top of the hill above your glass house and roll the fucking Indiana Jones boulder, sir. <laughs> How dare you? Just because you got a tight patale for fucking aerodynamics. Anyways, this movie's just fucking wildly fun. Very much like Ricochet, right? They're both movies, and that's why I think Jason picked a really cool double feature. Yeah. They're both movies that are completely over traveled grounds for story, right? Right. But they both continually make such strange choices that the mundane becomes a chance to see something more interesting than a movie like this ever deserved to have agreed agreed and that's the magic of this double feature man Um, does the work man yeah just fucking strange strange but awesomely exciting movies thank you again jason patron jason uh for this double feature fucking wonderful guys you want to be like Jason and join the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. Get in, guys. We appreciate the support. Uh, we need your help. And this is the best way to uh, take some ownership over this fucking pod, man. Help make it the show that you want and deserve. Uh, again, as little as a dollar a month. And we assure you every single dollar helps and is appreciated. We have an amazing amount of uh, patron exclusives coming. Really fun new stuff we're working on over there. Uh, Hopefully coming out by summer we'll have some really new, cool, exciting stuff over there. So again, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. If you haven't gone back and downloaded Ricochet and listened to that, please do yourself a favor and watch Ricochet and join us for a talk on that. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube is filmalchemist. We're on all the socials you're on. Please take a second, leave us a five-star rating, and review Guys, this is how we open the month on a double feature. But this month, the curation, the pod digs Del Toro, an entire month of Del Toro flicks, man. We've got your Kronos, we've got your Crimson Peak. We've got your uh, Pan's Labyrinth. The patrons right now are voting on another one. Maybe even Nightmare Alley, schedule permitting. So guys, we've got a lot of awesome stuff coming up. So thank you for joining us today. Get in deeper with us, guys, Uh, and we'll see you as we dig del Toro. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey.
1: I'm Alex Dandino.